0: Welcome to our podcast. Here today, we've got Jasmine Sandler and Eve Ashworth. We're going to talk today about the art of business relationship. So let's start off with you, Jasmine. Tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening in. This is our first podcast, so Eve and I are very, very excited. I'll tell you a little bit about myself and how we kind of got together. So I've been a business owner for as long as I can remember. As a woman in business, you know, it's it's tough and we need to have solid relationships both with other women as well as with men. I come from a, a corporate background. I actually was with IBM for about seven years, as well as Young and Rubicam, so very large companies. Mm-hmm. So I've worked on both sides, both being a business owner, running an agency for the last 12 years, a social media and PR agency, as well as coming from a corporate background. So these days I do keynote speaking, I train companies in social media, and I work one-on-one with executives, helping them to identify and build their brands online.
0: Great, well, Jasmine, you came with a massive amount of experience. My background is I started a business with my husband about 12 to 13 years ago. We have a team of nine professionals that we focus mostly on traditional and digital marketing. Traditional in the ways of print pieces, and then we also do websites, And we market websites, too. And so we were both out there looking to start a relationship and some strategic alliance that would allow our businesses to grow. And we found each other.
1: Right. We found each other. And I'd like to give a little backdrop to that story. I think Eve and I, right, we're in the same place. We're kind of looking out there, both internally and externally trying to find support. We've both been in business, owner in business for 12, 15 years, right? And we came to the ceiling where we realized that we don't want to be in our businesses, right? We want to be more out there and educating people. So we decided to kind of look outwards and see if we could find support out there. One of the reasons we're doing this podcast is the person that actually introduced us is a man who is a colleague of both of ours that we didn't know each other, who said, you know what, these are both two strong women that have successful backgrounds. To make them even greater, why don't they join forces? And, you know, it's been great, you know, it's it's been, uh, you know, hard work and getting to know each other, but I think this is why we're here today.
0: Yeah, and I th- I'm a big believer that, you know, there are many people out there, women and men, that are struggling through the same things.
1: Absolutely. And that's why
0: we're here today, is to talk about issues that happen every day in business. And so... We- We talked a little bit about our intro name, which is The Art of Business uh, Relationships. Relationships, So we want to make sure that we let you know, as listeners, why we picked that subject. And so we really based it off of what's happening in today's politics. And here in the US, where we both live, we are both from New York State, and we both currently live in New York State. But we have realized that there's this terrible divide between men and women, and it's shown in the bickering that's been happening between the two candidates for the U.S. presidency. And we wanted to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. You know, I just overhear people, right, in my personal life talking about politics. And then I try to get involved and at the same time step away from discussions on politics when it comes to business, right? You know, it's like a Maury Povich show these days. I think it's hilarious or Jerry Springer or whatever the hell you want to call it, right? It's like they're fighting like cats and dogs. Absolutely. And... It's comical, but what is that saying about our country? We kind of look like a joke and we look like we're divided. And we're not divided. and we're I think not, as we're a not. people. Yep. As a people, we're not
0: divided. We work together. We, we know how to be friends and we <laughs> are very good at working through positive outcomes. And that's what this is all about is outcomes. When you have relationships with people, what's the outcome? And we want right. to be in business, being able to work through lots of different scenarios. So we're going to, throughout the topics of all of these shows that we're going to produce, is we're going to pick different issues, different topics, and we're going to target them. We're going to talk about them. So today, we're going to talk about men and women in the workplace and how they coordinate and work together to bring the best outcome and how they work with each other. So definitely how they complement each other.
1: Right, how they complement. And, you know, before our first show today, we are talking a little bit about this and why is there such, why are we even doing this, Right. And why is this? an issue or, or maybe it's a challenge. And I always say, since I started a business and all the entrepreneurs that are out there listening, will definitely agree that I see the challenge as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But there's this challenge because scientifically speaking, men and women's brains are completely different. Men are linear, they go from A to B, and women go from A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z in the way that they problem solve. So when you have men and women working together, you have one person going in one quick direction and another person th- thinking through the process, right? So, that could be seen as possibly troubling. However- men and women can really, really help each other get through problems and think outside the box. So just in our own experiences, even I were kind of talking before the show, if we didn't have help from men and men didn't have help from us, we couldn't grow in our businesses. Yeah, It's really, really important that you actually have both brains thinking to think through complex problems, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So I have a couple
0: of linear thoughts that I have been working on as business strategies to be able to create new markets for our own business. We've been working with traditional, we've been working with digital, and we've also been working towards a product so that we can license that product and money There's a stream of revenue coming into our business that we're not necessarily working for, but we've done all that background work. It has been such a challenge as a woman to stay on course mm. because every single time we have a client that picks up one of our product lines, I think, oh, wow, let's go in that direction. Let's go that right. tandem. And my husband has always been say, as my business partner has always said, keep to the track. Let's stay to the to the plan. Let's stay to the strategy. And I feel as though we've complemented each other in, in that way. How does that work in corporate business? And what is your experience in in corporate business relationships?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, back when I was with IBM, I was a director of sales. And in one of my, it, it, this was very, very early on in my career. And even at that point, I kind of identified and recognized that men and women work differently together. So part of my job was to kind of work and nurture my people based on their personalities and how they work. So, you know, sales compensation, let's just take that, right? Men, men in professional services and men in corporate tend to do a much better job historically in corporate sales than women. Why? Because of the drivers, right? So the drivers for a man are very quantitative. They're very linear focused. Okay, I have to make $50,000 this month in quota. I'm going to hit that goal and I can push out, like you were saying, any thoughts or opportunities that don't meet that specific goal, whereas a woman doesn't really feel as passionate about the money as they do for maybe some more intangible benefits, like you're doing a great job. You're part of a team. We're going to elevate you or promote you based on your performance. Those are more types of benefits that a woman looks for versus a man. So just in that alone, in managing men and women, very, very different as a manager or employer or a hiring director how you have to treat those folks.
0: So you're saying that women have more of an emotional track, whereas men has more, have drivers that are
1: m- probably more financial. Is that? Absolutely, and I think it goes back to, you know, the caveman days, yeah. if you really think about it. And I think it's the way that- The nurturer and the hunter. Right, and exactly. Yeah. And it's the way society's actually been set up since the beginning, and this is why I'm really, honestly, very excited to be on this podcast, because I've seen, the shift in what's expected of women. So now we're in a place where we're expected to be more like men, and men are expected actually to be more like women, with more men actually staying at home and more women making more money. Our society right now, I feel, is a very sensitive time when it comes to men and women working together. And so I think we might, at this time, even create a whole new generation, yeah. a whole new way of how men and women work together, based on the evolution of men and women in the first place. So you find a lot
0: of men out there are nurturing.
1: Absolutely. And they're
0: raising the children and the women are in the corporate, yep. in the corporate focus careers, making sure that they bring in the money to support yep. the family, which has been really great. And then you've got families that are, you know, women, two women making a family. And you've got two men making a family. There's Every family is made up of different people and different situations. And that's what's great about, the society that we live in, that we've embraced all of these different societies and different um, ways of of working together. And so this podcast is going to talk about how we can work together.
1: So uh, one thing I just wanted to point out that I personally think is interesting, I don't know what you think, is that men now are getting time off when their wives or girlfriends or whatever, when they get pregnant, you know, when they have a baby. Men are getting more time off now by clients that I work with, major corporations. Very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean,
0: that shows n- that n-
1: everything is really changing, yeah. right? Yeah. And
0: now that's something that in Europe has been a steadfast thing, an opportunity for men to take off up to six months. I think it's in Norway, they can take <laughs> up to six months off when, ch- when their wife has a baby. Wow. That They call it family time. So it's great that America is embracing that because I just feel as though that is an important thing that Americans need to embrace. But yeah, there is a shift. There's a shift of focus. And so we want to talk a little bit about how, why is it that women... In Fortune 500 companies, like 4.8% of women it's crazy. are up in corporate management positions. Why is it only 4.8%? Like, why is it that only women up there are so dominated by men and, and vice, you know, it's not happening the other way? What What is it that's not happening fast enough?
1: Well, I can tell you because, so I do personal branding for executives. I consult for them one-on-one. They're usually either directors and VPs when we're talking about enterprise level, larger companies, let's say, right? And it was honestly very surprising to me that a lot of them have ceilings that they can't get beyond, and that only some of these major global, you know, multinational corporations are taking into account that women need to be in higher positions. In other words, the diversity and inclusion programs that I'm involved with as a speaker, you know, they women still have a very tough time of getting to the top because I think that, you know, corporate speaking, large organizations, they're slow to make these changes at the top levels. Obviously, it has a lot to do with power, but I think it has a lot to do with how the women, even even if it's subconscious, to be honest with you, Eve, how they believe in themselves and the and what their worth is, you know because in corporate they have so many influencers around them maybe subtly saying you're not the right person to be the CEO of this company but when you're someone like you and I and working together we're much more flexible and adaptable because we're smaller mm-hmm. so we can think that way. In a lot of the consulting work that I do, I help women get to bigger levels or find their own niches. A lot of them will leave their companies. And I think it has everything to do with confidence.
0: So it's important that we focus on how we feel about ourselves as women. Yes, 100%. And really make a change within ourselves that we can have a goal and work towards it. And when we do put a goal forward, we need to stick to it. And that gives us confidence. I found that in many different th- aspects of my life. I can, I can actually make a goal for myself. And when I stick to it, I feel so much better about myself. And men do that. Men will You're have right. a goal, they'll really work towards it, and they'll make sure that it's complete and achieved before they move on to the next thing. And so step by step, it's really important that we take aspects of each other and work towards a greater whole because you know, we are not separate we're all working for one whole and that is to you know have better communities have better working experiences and so this is this is a great arena as a podcast to be able to talk about these issues so great how do we complement each other as men and women
1: oh I think in a number of ways you know so my my boyfriend and I actually we do a lot of work together he's a custom he's an illustrator so sometimes I'll bring him in on projects and not only does he see what I'm doing from a different angle, like an objective observer, but also as a man, he kind of cuts to the chase on things that I might be struggling with, you know, because my mind is going in circles. A lot of women, right, we think too much. And we find opportunities and want to grab at all of them. Whereas having a man there, he can almost be like they say. It can be the rock. But it really, to me, what that means is a person that can give you that objective point of view, you know. And um, from a very factual standpoint, he might just be looking at the facts where a woman is leading with her emotions. And vice versa, in all of my life, in all the, you know, work environments I've been in, in relationships, friends or whatever with men, what I've seen is that a woman can really... Take a man to the next level can really, really help because I think we each have our issues and challenges. And I think with a man, the issue and challenge is, like you said, Eve, hitting goals and being linear. So they can't a lot of times think about other opportunities or new things. Or, you know, the way that I look at it from a visual perspective, although we're on a podcast, is color versus black and white. That's the way I look at it. A man can give you the black and white, right? There's no gray. And a woman can come in with a color and make something more beautiful and more opportunistic. And I've seen yeah. it complemented everywhere.
0: Yeah. Opportunistic is a real key word there because I'm very driven. And I find in many relationships that I view and see, you find one that's very driven and maybe a risk taker. I'm the risk taker in our relationship, Me too. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it may be that this opportunity for a project opportunity might come in, and I say to my husband, you know, hey, let's take the job. Let's charge them half of our rate, and let's take some of the some of the cut of the business. Let's ask them for profits, and it's worked. We've taken this real profit approach, and it's allowed us to build the business faster than probably what we would have if we'd just done this traditional business model, which is everybody pay the same amount, and uh, we'll we'll see how it works out. But when you partner with your husband, you partner with new opportunities that come into your business, you know, you offer your company a line of revenue that you probably wouldn't get. Whereas my husband would never have taken that opportunity. He would never have said, no, I'm willing to take half the rate. For the web developer to build that product out and take profits in that company, and we've we've done it with many clients. Right now, we're in a relationship with a client where they are a huge organization that sells a massive amount of content that they generate constantly. And it, in 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 this particular case, it's content driven for um, recipes, and they're really known for how well they are with uh, recipes. And so we're able to develop this relationship with them where we would never have Isaac would never have done it on his own develop this relationship where we're going out marketing their content and taking a cut of the profits. So it works both ways. And it's great to have that traditional stalwart who stays to the course, who makes sure and will stay till three o'clock in the morning to get all those traditional projects that are on deadline that people are paying for. So there's multiple ways of doing business today. And I think that that's what's really wonderful about working men and women together is that they offer so much and bring so much to the table.
1: Yeah. One thing that I wanted to point out, you know, on the on, I think two things I just wanted to point out. One is you know, so I, I work with very large you know, million, billion dollar companies and specifically with their executive groups in whether it's it's training or coaching, consulting, right? And what I've found with the organizations that I really think are role models for what we're talking about is they have stewards, they have men that are directly involved with any women's initiatives that go on internally and i think that that's for larger organizations it's very 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 important that men and women align on certain objectives like that so that those things don't get lost so it's not just that women need to empower themselves and be confident it's actually equally as important at the corporate level that men are involved with dni you know women's leadership you know, it's it's very interesting to me that they're still coined women's initiatives when it's actually men and women that make them work. If it were just women, honestly, it wouldn't work. And if they were just men's initiatives, it wouldn't work either. And then to take that down to the individual level, I think I was telling you before we jumped on today, is that, you know, in my individual work with, a let's say, a VP male VP versus a female VP, they work very different. It's very interesting to me that how they provide information and how they want to get things done. But at the end of the day, they actually have the same goals, you know, and to me, that's interesting that they have the same goals, but they just, their approach is different. So if you're working in a co-ed environment, it's very important that you understand that these approaches are different. And that will really help you to engineer and build a team that's going to be successful.
0: So talk a little bit about branding and how men brand themselves and how women brand themselves. Yeah, And let's talk a little bit about the differences and how maybe we'll give some tips today to people out there listening about what they can do to brand themselves. If they're maybe been in business for 20 years and they're feeling like they really need to put some pep into their brand, what can they do to focus on their brand as individuals and then work together as well in strategy together?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing that any woman would have to do, whether it's a man or a woman, is identify and commit to goals. That really seriously, number one. So what is it? So I've, I mean, I have written books and I have courses on my website and I do training, da, 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 da. but it always starts with the goal. It's not that every shoe fits the same person, right? Mm-hmm. So what is what is your goal? You know, do you want to leave a company to start your own business? Do you want to get a promotion? A lot of people that I come across in my talks are looking to advance their careers. And a lot of people are just trying to figure out what the hell they should do in life. I think everybody is. right, And so that's the starting point. Number one tip is to kind of look inward and to ask yourself, where is it that I have my strengths and where do I want to focus? and What's realistic and what can I go for? And in that itself, men and women differ because women, I think, have more doubts because they talk a lot to themselves. Where men's decisions might be easier, but men also hold back. So when I work with my male clients, they hold back a lot, unless they're clear, driver, successful folks. They hold back a lot because they think that they should come with answers, where women are more open to ask questions. And I think both people need to ask questions. So, you know, you got to start with that goal. And if you don't know what your goals are or what your strengths are, rather, that's usually where you, where I have my attendees or my trainees start, is to ask your colleagues, ask your friends, ask people that work with you, what's so great about me and and how do I get introduced? So I was, I was telling my boyfriend, actually, a few weeks ago that I went to this—I I forget what it was some executive women's group event right and I walked in the room and I didn't th- think I would know anyone there so I walked in the room and I was going to network like I didn't know anybody. And there were three women that knew me there, which I was like, that made me feel good and yeah. comfortable. But it was interesting how they introduced me. That's the point of this story. One person said, this is Jasmine. She's a LinkedIn expert. I didn't say anything. Then another person introduced me. And they said, this is Jasmine. She's a speaker. Then another person introduced me. And she said, this is Jasmine. She has an agency. So you create that story for the people that are going to talk about you. It's not about just building a brand. It's about building a brand that people are going to communicate. I mean, this is what my agency does. We build brands. We help them communicate. Even I work together to design these brands. and Clearly
0: outlining.
1: You have to outline.
0: Exactly what it is that you want to do. And then two, understanding the goals. And then three, making sure people know who you are and what you do. Because you could have been, you know, a LinkedIn professional is a lot smaller than she has her own agency. Absolutely. And so if you want to be introduced as having your own agency, then put that message out there. People don't know how to talk about you unless it's on your business cards. It's on your website. You tell people how to talk about you. And I think that that's really important in today's world. I think that we miss that all the time. We're not clear in how we how we get that message across.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's an expense or I call it an investment in the work that I do. And even I do, you know, branding can be a couple. I I mean, when you get down to it, you can spend a couple hundred thousand dollars over a year easily in branding. So you want to do it right. You don't want to have to like we used to say. I mean, I've been involved with web for 20 years now. You don't want to keep rebuilding your website as a company. But for me, when I do strategy and I help from the personal branding side, it's the same methodology, right? It's like, do we know who our users are? <laughs> do we know who our audience is? Do we know what our message should be? Yeah. And what style do we want in our in terms of our image, in terms of our communication style? Because that's hugely important whether you attract or repel a client. And who are your users?
0: Who are gonna see that? And who's gonna who's who's gonna be on your site and what messaging do you want to project there? And building a messaging strategy is number one important. Um, So you can have different platforms for different target audiences. And when you build that target audience and you build that messaging platform just specific for those target audiences, you then develop all the marketing materials that go along with it. But they're specific, just like landing page methodology. You want to push people to that specific information that you don't want them to scroll down the page and be looking for what it is that you are trying to get across. So, you know, clear communication is key whenever you're networking, whether you're working on your own personal branding, whether you're working on your company or corporate branding, it's it's very key.
1: Yeah, one thing I just want to throw in here that I think we should definitely talk about that has to do with your question, and I think people need to really make sure that they do this, is remain authentic on, on so many levels. So one is just because you ask a million people what you should do doesn't mean that's what it is you should do. You need to look inside and answer that question. And that's very, it's not an easy thing to do at all. So I think remaining authentic to yourself and those who you communicate with or if you're building a brand, whatever that brand, it has to be authentic because otherwise it just doesn't work.
0: People see right through it. It's transparent. So if you don't know the direction you're going, People can tell that through everything that you project. So you've got to be authentic, about it's true to who you are. So how does someone figure out who they are? How does someone figure out how to be authentic? And I think that that comes through experience. And experience, sometimes it takes 20 years. Sometimes it takes 15 years to get to where you know what you want. I mean, look, look at our scenario, for example. Yeah. We're ready to make some real moves in the agency world. And so to do that, we need authenticity. We need to make sure that we know who we are, the direction we're going, and project a clear and focused message.
1: Right, and the other thing is, as even and I work together, what's really important is that we let each other do what we're great at. Absolutely. We've sat down how many times now? To say, okay, what are, who's doing this and why are you doing this and how does it complement each other? And I think the same thing as we're on topic on the theme here is men and women working together. You know, your brand, it's really, really about owning what is authentically, truly yours and that you can move forward. with it. And I agree with you. You know, the other day I saw this video. It was awesome, actually, on Facebook because, you know, we do social advertising. So anyway, so on Facebook, there's, it's a story about this guy. I think he's like 85. And as a business owner, I don't know. You know, if you believe that it's easy to be an overnight sensation in business, that's complete BS. It's hard work and it's frustrating a lot of times to be real about it. So anyways, there's video about this. This guy was like 80 or 90 years old and he's an actor in Japan. And he talked about his first acting job and then his big breakout and how he got there. And his first job was like at 50. Then he got more at 60. And then at 70, he's like, now I'm 80 and I'm ready to start. And I loved it. Oh, you know, it's just like the best story because I work. I've seen so many entrepreneurs. It's so hard out there. It's not easy, especially what's going on with politics right now and the economy. People aren't spending. I mean, I work with major, major people that aren't spending. Yeah, and major companies that aren't spending because they're afraid of what's going to happen. This happens every four years,
0: right? It's just the way it is in politics. It's just the really way it affects how people and big corporations
1: spend. It's affecting business right Absolutely. down to the small business owner. Level. Yeah. So the more and more you can believe in yourself and, you know, really identify where you want to go and stick to it because it's a commitment. You can't. It's like you wouldn't start a website and then do a wireframe and say, okay, the website's done. No, you know, you've got to stick to it.
0: So we're picking back up now. We're going to talk about LinkedIn a tiny bit. Um, Every day I get emails in regards to LinkedIn, and they always say that I'm getting really noticed, which makes me feel really good about myself. But what does that mean, and where do I share content that's both on personal social media and on business? Where is that a hazy line, or is that is there a line drawn in the sand there? Because I would love to know what I should be sharing on both networks?
1: Yeah, sure. So as you know, Eve, and I always talk about it as a LinkedIn author and trainer and such, you know, LinkedIn is the number one B2B social network. It's been that since it started and it's evolved like it should have to become more of a social network where it started out initially as just a networking Rolodex exchange type of website. So it still is really the place where you should share professional content. And a lot of LinkedIn members and big advocates of LinkedIn have actually been turned off when people share personal content or they reach out because they want to date. I've seen these things all the time. I get interviewed a lot about how to use LinkedIn. It's really not that place. You That's know.
0: surprising to me actually. I've never no, I've never even
1: thought about it. But who has? It's crazy. Well, you know what? It, it expands and it evolves and then it's a good thing. I mean, I've been in social media since I owned and sold a social network back in two thousand and three or four or whatever that was. But the goal of a social network owner is that the community expands and builds itself through user generated content. So it's a good thing, but it's still, it definitely needs to be monitored if it wants to remain the king of B2B social network. Anyway, to answer your question, LinkedIn is really a place to deliver whether it's short form posts, long-form posts, communications or discussions that you might lead or get engaged with with groups. They really should be professional in nature until you get to the point where you can either take those relationships offline, which is really the goal. I mean, 445 million users, 200 countries, 3 million groups on LinkedIn. You should really be there building relationships, whether you're looking for a job, you're looking to get a promotion, you know, you're looking to get more clients, (laughs) right? So that's what it's all about. Yeah, talk about content and how...
0: To generate content for LinkedIn. So are you just talking about what you do day in, day out? What you are an expert in and what what you can be authentic about?
1: Yes. Well, like if I went back to what we were talking about previously, first, you need to commit to your position before you do any content. You know, you have to say, this is what I'm great at. From the top of your LinkedIn profile, from your headline to your headshot, your banner, down to the bottom. That needs to be substantiated, especially if you're looking to get a job, (laughs) So the content, it depends on who you are. If you're like us, you're going to talk from a place of thought leadership, hopefully, (laughs) and you're going to talk from a place of experience and you're going to support your networks. If you work for a big company, you should be supporting your company and supporting coworkers and employees that are part of your LinkedIn network. So your content, I have this little rule. I'm going to just give it away on the podcast, part of the social media strategy I do. One-third, 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 and I think that that works really well, meaning one-third of your content, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, your website, your blog, your whatever you do, should be original content. That's why we do content marketing strategy. So we say in our world, think like a magazine editor. So if you're in a world of fashion, You know, you could talk about clothes, shoes, makeup, blah, 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 blah. If you're in our world, you know, we're talking about branding, for example. Okay, so it's a topic that we know a lot about because we've earned our rights because we've been doing it for so long. We have a lot of experience. So you want to talk about that content is the one third. Another third has to be supporting others in your network. So this is when I talk about social selling and building relationships through social media. We talk about supporting our network. So it isn't just about me talking about myself as it is me supporting what Eve's putting out today as my partner, my strategic partner, my strategic alliance, whatever, okay? The third piece of that, the the other third, is understanding what's going on in your industry. I mean, we were talking today about we're sitting here doing a podcast in a college and we've been out of school for a long time. So how do we stay up to speed with what's going on in the world of business, the world of politics, right? We need to read. We need to be engaged with content, news and real information from reporters and journalists in our industry and our target industries. And we need to be sharing that content.
0: So I'm thinking to myself, as a mother of four kids and a business owner, And really a person that keeps in contact with people, so I spend a lot of time on social media um, with cousins in England and brothers and sisters. When do I have time to take in all this education? And I tell you, I've got one answer, but you probably have more. I listen to podcasts. I listen to books on audio whenever I'm in the car. Mm. driving or cleaning up the kitchen or I can't do it at work because I'm constantly busy but whenever I'm tr- commuting or picking up the kids from soccer that I listen to audible tapes business audible uh, digital streams of business books and that's how I gain all of the content that I am able to, to think about so that I can generate then my own expert content based upon experience mingled with the experience that I've learned from others along the way. Mm-hmm. Are there any other ways that we can start taking in
1: Absolutely. Information. Absolutely. Well, first of all, you don't want to take in all information. You've got to be strategic about it. There's just not enough time. Whether you have four children or you have 10 hobbies, you know? So you have to be strategic about it. So social networks are a great way to get content information. Like YouTube is fantastic. Video. We know we, we, we do video. We both do video. We're involved a lot with video when it comes to content, right? So video is really. A driver, podcast. obviously today I listen to podcasts as well. But one thing that's interesting that I've always said, I mean, before even I was in digital marketing when I was in traditional marketing and traditional corporate sales is I learn a lot from others. So I make it a habit of developing relationships with people that I can get a different viewpoint from. To go back to our theme, men and women working together, Mm -hmm. from people that I feel are successful and whatever that success means, success means something different to everybody. It's not just about money, right? So, you know, so for example, I'm a a national speaker and a member of the CEO club related to Vistage International. So Vistage International, they're all senior level executives or they're established business owners. So I talk with those folks a lot. You know, I talk with my clients. I mean, come on, how am I going to know everything about the biotech or, you know, medical device market I am not going to be able to read all that stuff right so I talk to them talking is actually very important meeting with people taking those relationships offline for me a couple with you know watching videos and podcasts I mean I am like a huge Tony Robbins fan yeah I love him to death I love his positive nature and the things he does so there's certain people yeah. that I think are the real deal so, so I, it's not like anybody is an expert I think you have to earn that right so yeah
0: and I loved that the idea of being positive I think we need to stick on that a tiny bit because women today sometimes feel threatened by other women Oh I'm one of those women that I am um, just not really bothered about what people feel and and so I, I've opened doors for myself but there are women out there that I feel like they've closed themselves in to a little bit of a cage because they feel threatened by the way other people look or the way other people speak. So let's talk about women and how they should treat one another in business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And on
0: social media, too. Well,
1: you know, there's talk. There's talk, perception and reality. You know what I'm saying? So because I play hockey, I mean, I see it everywhere I go. I play hockey, right? I played on women's teams. I played on men's teams. I see the threat there at the women-to-women level. In business, I see it all the time. People talk and they say, we want to support each other. We're having a women's conference. It's a women's conference, women's summit. I've been a speaker at all of these places. But the after effect for me is not there with everybody. It's there with the women that are mature That's first of all, and really do have seen women to women support grow into something that's good, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's really what it's all about. So I feel that I agree with you that that when you're threatened, you're not going to take action and you're going to miss out on an opportunity. And so, you know, you and I have been strategic partners now for a little while. And I think what I said to you when we first met, I just said, hey, let's be honest with each other. Didn't I say that?
0: Yeah. And we have been.
1: We have been. And without that, I don't think we'd be here today. And I think that's a first step for women, actually, in working with each other is to be honest.
0: Yeah. And not take yourself too seriously. (laughs) Oftentimes, you know, you just got to just go with the punches and say, you know what, this is a learning experience. And I enjoy being with this person and learning from them. And so this is going to be a positive outcome. So being positive in all aspects of business is key, whether it be with men or women, just don't feel threatened. Feel that everything is an opportunity and move forward, you know, with your head held high, knowing that you can, you know, you can get on with everybody. And that's the approach that I've taken is I can get on with everyone. There are some people that are a little crazy out (laughs) there, but you really can quickly identify which ones you're going to move forward with and have positive relationships with. So let's talk about, this phrase that I've been hearing a lot of self selling your selfie. What mm. does that mean? And what is it?
1: Well, I was just on CBS with Alex Dennis. And I love Alex Dennis, because she's a woman who just from the first time I spoke with her, and she said, I want to put you on the show. And I started to get to know her. She's a woman that thinks like us. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's very supportive. She's pretty awesome. So you know, the show was about selling your selfie. There's all these um, companies now that have uh, softwares and products where you can sell your selfie. So you can sell yourself holding up a McDonald's cup or whatever, right? And you get like something for free, or maybe you get a couple of dollars, right? Whatever. So when it's done tastefully, I think it's great. And I mean, for obviously for brands, it makes a ton of sense to get involved with this stuff. So, you know, selling your selfie as a product is interesting to me. And I think that you just have to Approach that carefully. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm pretty open to this idea. And I think it's not unlike being a celebrity spokesperson at all. And I think that's what I was talking about on CBS is that what's so different about it? You know, it's just giving it more to the masses today. Like, you know, you, you don't have to be as what do they call it like an A class model anymore. Yeah, you can so, be a model for express clothing and be on their Instagram account and make some money from it. There's really nothing wrong with it.
0: Nothing wrong with it. In terms of business relationships, should you
1: be selling your selfie? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, I don't know what you mean by that. I'm not selling myself. I'm just. <laughs> but I think you know. Well, for your brand, you know, you should be
0: focusing on your brand and selling the selfie within the brand, within the confines of the of your brand.
1: Well, you know what I think is interesting is what's gone in the world of speaking in gone on in the world of speaking. Right. So I'm a speaker. I do keynote speeches, I do trainings, I do panels, I enjoy speaking a lot, you know. And it used to be, like we were talking about earlier, that there was a price tag for speakers. And speakers were limited as experts. But now, because anybody can really create a brand if they do it right, and build themselves up as an expert if they do put in the time, the energy, the effort, and the knowledge. So now it's like this flip-flop, where sometimes speakers have to pay, or you're out there being a spokesperson for a brand or a company. So I think that that's interesting. I think it's a great opportunity, actually. Not just for speakers, but anybody that wants to become a thought leader. So this idea of selling yourself in the way that I think about it in the context of what I do for a living is, hmm, that's an interesting idea for maybe my clients that want to become thought leaders. How can I position them as a thought leader in one specific topic for one specific industry? And hey, if there's millions of companies within that industry that want to pay my client to put them on a video, let them. You know, it's only going to strengthen their brand.
0: Yeah. So we're building a learning management site right now, which is focused on that particular thing. Someone's become an expert in their industry, and they're using it to leverage their brand and it's been really a, a learning experience where you take all of the content that they have they put it all in videos and then they're going to sell it as a license to different other corporations that are training people on this one in- industry mm. which has been really key how do you turn and how have you turned uh, helped people build brands to be able to turn the switch like that to move from you know personal branding into an actual st- revenue stream
1: well the personal brands that i work with as clients and i consider myself my own client <laughs> which is interesting you know, they're, they have experience. So that's the first step. You know, you can't just say, I'm going to pretend I have all this experience in thought leadership. So, you know, the first thing that I do is I take a, what I call an asset count. So I take a look at what they've done and literally go back to the basics. I start with their resume. And these are senior level people, you know, with like 30, 20. Like I just work with a client who has 35 years of experience. Crazy. That's amazing awesome guy. Jeff Wittenberg runs this, like, they do process serving in the legal industry. Never branded himself. All word of mouth. That's another thing. So if you've done word of mouth and you've grown a business or you've, like, gone, like, I have other clients, like, at Roach Diagnostics, one of my clients is Rod Cotton. He's turned over like six or seven divisions within the company like fast track super smart guy so taking their assets from their resume to if they've been on a commercial he's involved with the women's leadership initiative at roach so taking a look at his videos and getting all those assets in order that's the first place i start and then determining what that brand is going to be and assigning a value to it so in the case of rod cotton so he lectures quite a bit that's an opportunity for him to make money whereas you know some of my other clients It's about streamlining those assets and building a brand around it to help them sell more. So
0: So it seems to me like he's actually maintaining perhaps his employee base because he's become a thought leader. People want to be connected to people that are in their industry, putting out new content, content that's educating people. And so it's a great way of actually maintaining are retaining your employee base. And um, so it's a good way of thinking it, about it. If you're a thought leader or if you're a manager, you know, you're constantly having to acquire new employees. Absolutely. You should be out there talking and leading the way so that people want to be tied to you and it allows you to have these great, deep relationships, which leads me to my next point. Well,
1: which can is, I just interject yeah, for a yeah, second? Absolutely. Something that I've been kind of, I guess, I don't know if it's pushing through or is the right phrase here, but. Talking quite a bit to companies like UBS is, you know, UBS and big law firms where traditionally partners, you know, it works like associate, associate partner, partner, blah, 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 accounting firms, right? All these types of companies I've worked with is about, okay, you guys used to be okay with relationship selling word of mouth. But now it isn't just the one single partner of the one single vertical that needs to be a spokesperson it actually needs to be all the executives. Okay? So what I've been talking a lot about at big with bigger companies at bigger levels is how can you get your executives to be the advocates of the importance of not just developing a strong brand but protecting the brand and that ties into protecting the company brand and the company messaging. So it's really important this is going to happen, you know, hopefully I'll I'm at the head of it, but yep. You know, it's very important. This is a movement that's happening.
0: So building your personal brand is intertwined with building your company brand.
1: Yeah, whether you work there or you own it. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: how how have you, in your experience, built relationships, interdepartmental relationships? How have you used social media to build those relationships? And how are you getting people to work as a team, even though they may not have anything to do with one another? All of a sudden now, through social media, they have these opportunities to reach out and be friends, and and communicate across lines, dividing lines that they've never really crossed before.
1: Yeah, that's right, Eve. I mean, in only in the last few years have I seen the training that I do on social recruiting step up. It used to be marketing on social media. Now, that is not the case. Social media, if you look at it, because I've been in it for so long, has always been a customer service function. So that's the first line of defense for any company that's successful. For me, the companies that are successful in life are McDonald's, JetBlue, Walmart, to me, that's where I want to be with my agency, right? These are companies that understand the importance of real-time communication. They understand the importance of all of their employees feeling good about their brand. So that, so then whether they are recruiting new employees online, they're talking about the company in a positive way and its leaders, which is really extremely underlying and import, highlight important. So what I do, I, I do a lot of training. So I will train, I'm generally brought in by marketing, Mm-hmm. Because I do marketing, but it usually then becomes a conversation and a training exercise between marketing and sales, HR and operations, because everyone is involved. So there just needs to be, you know, social governance. That's a number one guideline set up, and it's not just like the employees there now, but in the future. So there needs to be ongoing training and education, and and that helps a company so much. It helps them with better talent acquisition. It helps them with market share just imagine everybody's in love with the company you know yeah. versus people are saying different things and that's at the end of the day that's what drives a sale so
0: so that intercommunication between departments is so key and, and them all being on the
1: same board as far as their social messaging goes very very important
0: okay so we talked a little bit about relationships around sales have you got any more advice about relationships and sales and building sales
1: oh absolutely so (laughs) social selling which i'm deeply deeply involved with on, on the b2b side is really about planting the seed and then nurturing that seed. So there's a lot of things that go into that. It's not just about, like a lot of sales trainers will say, oh, it's all about follow-up. okay, follow-up's important, but follow-up can become annoyance. And how much do you want to badger somebody who's not really interested in your service or they don't have the money for your service? So it's much more about giving. So I get pushback from a lot of people that they'll come see me speak at a conference and they'll say, you know, I want to hire you, and then I follow up with them. appropriately. And I'll say, well, this isn't the right time right now. And I just follow up to say, thank you for coming, right? Because people are like bombarded with sales messages every second. They can smell it. So instead of doing that, my tips are all about developing relationships by supporting others. That means sharing their content. That means like we're here today, referring business to each other, working together, spotting opportunities for them. For me, I can spot opportunities for them to be in the news or you know, picked up by something, you know, so it's really about helping somebody else. And that's what the social relationships and that's really what sales are all about beyond doing your education, right? Driving visibility a number one, otherwise nobody knows who you are. But once you drive that visibility and you get that first engagement, it's about continuing on. So I've had I have examples of clients that I started working with, let's say, in the last year or two years that I've known for 10 years as people, Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So
0: you can build a really great sales strategy offline. Absolutely. And then if you don't do anything online, you're really hindering your your progress.
1: Right. Because no one's going to know who you are. But what I hear is, Jasmine, I've been seeing your stuff for so long. Okay, now I'm ready. And in sales, I'm sure everybody will agree. It's when somebody's ready to buy. That's actually the most important thing. So you don't waste your time with somebody just continually asking you for free information let's say absolutely
0: so we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up today i think that it's been an awesome conversation i think next time i feel almost like we need to delve deeper into social branding a little bit more and maybe come up with some guidelines as to what people should be doing to develop their online sales strategy using social media i think that's a conversation that we could talk about a little bit more yeah Um, and i think that we also gonna invite new people in so stay tuned and make sure you um Listen out for Jasmine and Eve. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time tonight. Jasmine, tell us where you can find us next.
1: Yeah. So if you guys loved this podcast today, we're going to continue the conversation on Twitter. Hashtag the art of business relationships. And you can follow Eve and I. My Twitter handle is Jasmine underscore Sandler. And Eve's is Ashworth Tweets. So again, that's Jasmine underscore Sandler. And Eve's is Ashworth Tweets. Okay.